Welcome to the South Metro Ministries podcast. Here's this week's message from Pastor Alan Matura. What do I what do I say on the first Sunday in this new sanctuary? I'm thinking about the journey. And I've been in a series of sermons on the weapon of praise. And and had the desire and will continue that, that series. But the Holy Spirit began to deal with my heart on early Thursday morning and, and, and just impressed me with some words that speaks to me that I should speak to you about this business of life to the next level. And while there are several passages that one can choose from the Scripture, to go with this theme of life to the next level. These words from Deuteronomy chapter 2 verse 3. Kept coming to my mind regarding this thing of life to the next level. And the words are these. Back it up one for me. You have skirted this mountain long enough. Turn northward now when you read the whole chapter you'll get the whole context but let me let me briefly for the sake of time tell you what it means in the book of deuteronomy moses is rehearsing this pilgrimage from egypt where these over three million people were delivered by Ten miraculous wonders and signs that God performed to prove to Pharaoh and the leadership of Egypt that they can no longer hold the children of God captives anymore. For 400 years, generation after generation, the people of God were in captivity. But God raised up Moses, sent him to be their leader. And they left with a mighty demonstration of God. As they left out of Egypt, the Egyptians were so glad to see them go. Because their presence was not a benefit to them anymore. The Egyptians came to realize the God of Israel is far superior to our gods. And as you understand and know the story, they wandered in the wilderness for quite some time. And they wandered even longer than they had to because of doubt and fear and unbelief. Their wandering kept them at a certain place in the wilderness at a large and towering mountain called Mount Seir. And in their dilemma about what the future holds and what the next level is going to look like, we're not so sure whether we can go into the promised land. We're not so sure that that it is going to be everything that God said it's going to be in. 
We're kind of liking where we are right now, getting used to this Mount Seir and its environment. And the Lord said to them, this is not it. I brought you here for a season and a reason, but now the season is over. Oh, I feel, I feel like my first whoop glory in the new church is coming on. You have circled this mountain long enough. This is not the promised land. Turn and go northward. I, I like what the New Living Translation says. You have been wandering around in this hill country long enough. Turn and go northward. Because in the direction of the north and beyond, I'm taking you to what I said you can have. Oh. And, and I've, I've come to tell you on this first Sunday in our new sanctuary and, and other ministry facilities... That where you're seated in this building today represents our decision as a church. My decision as your pastor. A decision as the leadership team of our church. That we are going to obey God when he said it's time to move to the next level. In our time together in the word, and it'll be uh, not brief for the sake of time, but it'll be the word. I want to ask and answer the question very quickly. What does it mean to go to the next level? What is life like at the next level? And you're probably thinking, God hasn't called me to build a church, so how is this going to apply to me? No, he may not have called you to build a church, but he has called you to build a life. He has called you, the Bible said, you and I, to serve the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and spirit. He may not have called you to build a church, but He has called you to go to the next level of overcoming an addiction, a fear. He has called you to go to the next level of being a better father or husband, or just a better man, or young man, can I get a witness? He has called you to build a better life, so that you'll be a better mother, or wife, or woman, or young lady, can I get an amen? He may have called you to be a missionary, or evangelist, or, or have a television media program for the glory of God, but he has called you to stop circling around the same mountains of doubt and unbelief and low self-esteem. He has called you to quit abandoning your dreams and visions he's given you and come up high to life at a richer level. Give the Lord some praise. Somebody in this house. So how do we get to the next level? How should we even go there? And these are things the words the Lord has given me in my journey that I want to give to you very quickly. And the first word is this word called dreams. And I say to you that God is the one who places dreams and visions in our hearts. If there's anything good and pure and lovely and wonderful and righteous in your heart, it's because God placed it there. Because in an... Oh, my, 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 my. In the natural, our human hearts are naturally selfish. In the natural, our dreams and visions are usually about me, myself, and I. 
But the Bible says, and I like the way it's presented in the book of James. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Means dreams and visions come from God. They come down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. And here's a challenge from which I've grown. Now if you take notes, write this down. This will help you. If you don't take notes, pretend you are. It'll help me. How can you know that it is God who is spurring you on to the next level in your life? Here's how you can know. When the dreams and visions are larger than your ability to accomplish it by yourself. Give the Lord a hand clap somebody. You see, some of us have not yet reached the next level that God has for us because we're still dreaming about how in the world am I going to do it? If God has placed this in your heart, you're going to know it ain't going to be about how I'm going to do it. It's going to be about how God is going to do it and I'm going to be a vessel whereby he might help it come to pass. You can always know it's God when you know you need God to get it done. If I've learned anything from pastoring the same church for 28 years, if I've learned anything from purchasing properties that have gone from just a few acres to almost 25 acres, if I've learned anything from developing ministries and leading four major building programs in the last 28 years, it is this. When God calls you to the next level by placing a dream in your heart, He will provide you with the strength and the anointing and the people and the resources to get His work done. I'm evidence of that and I, I got to hurry. When God was leading me and speaking to my heart to build the prior building than the one you're sitting in now, which we call our ministry center. We dedicated that building in 2003. But God was dealing with me months and a couple of three years prior to that. That project then was $3.3 million. We are still in debt about some other things and the Lord began to stir my heart about the next phase of the vision and dream that He had given to me about this work. And it would be a ministry center. It'd be a center where young people and adults could be discipled in the Word of God. And it'd be a place of teaching and instruction and, 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 and small groups and uh, various kinds of men's uh, discipleship class and women's Bible study and fellowship place and, and a place where the community can come from time to time and we could be a blessing to them. And I thought, $3.3 million? God says, I want you to do it. And I'm thinking, say what, God? And I'm thinking, uh, and where am I going to get the money? And I needed some assurance from the Lord that it was God telling me to go ahead and build the building and not my ego. Oh, I may know your ego can get you in a lot of trouble. You can keep your hands down. I know you're still playing on that credit card for that thing you had to have that went in the yard sale last week. Your ego can get you in a lot of trouble. Oh, I can start preaching there a while, driving around stuff we can't even pay for. Well, okay. Uh, 
This is the first Sunday. I want you to come back if it's just your first time. Somewhere along the process, when God wants to take you to a high level in your marriage, you're going to need some assurance that it, it, it will survive. Did you hear me? Somewhere along the process, if you're trying to get your degree <laughs> and it costs you money and time and effort, you want to you you better educate yourself, uh, uh, you're going to need some assurance. If you've ever been sick in your body, and the verdict is that there are spots on the lungs and it doesn't look very good and you've been serving God for a while, somewhere along the way, you're going to need some assurance that Jesus is still your healer. And I needed some assurance to proceed with this building, the prior building. And on May 1, 2001, God gave me the assurance to go ahead. Two years before the building was constructed. I wrote it in the margin of my Bible. That's why I know uh, beside the margin of my Bible, I wrote these words. God's word to Alan Matura. And I put the words, praise the Lord. And here's what he told me about building that building in 2003. There are the words of David given to his son Solomon. Because David was exiting the throne because of age and time and passing it on to Solomon, who would be the third king of Israel. David wanted to build the house of the Lord. He had built himself palaces. He had become rather wealthy. He was highly favored of God. Many servants, many soldiers, much livestock, he had done good because God had blessed him. And he says, before I die, I want to build a house for God. A place where the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the presence of God, can be permanently housed. And God says, no, uh, I know you want to, but I'm not going to let you. Because your kingdom and rulership has been a time of uh, blood and violence. But I, God, God, I'm paraphrasing. God says, I appreciate that you want to honor me. But your son will do it. He'll build a temple. Your son Solomon will build a temple. And David made all the provisions for building the temple. He got tons of gold and stored it. Tons of silver and stored it. Tons of iron and stored it for the building of the temple. Can I get a witness? He got a lot of lumber and, and he got a lot of cloth and material because David said, I serve a great God and I'm not going to build him a second class house. I'm going to build him out of the blessings he's given me. And so David instructs Solomon to proceed. Well, Solomon was young, inexperienced. He'd never been a, been a king before. He'd never built a house before, a palace. And now he's going to build a house for God. Solomon's wondering, how can I do it? And the words David gave Solomon thousands of years ago are the words that the Lord gave me some years ago. Assurance. And here's what he says. Back it up for me, if you will. Or maybe I can do it by myself. Here we go. <laughs> Be strong and courageous, Alan Matura, and do the work. This is 1 Chronicles 28 20. Listen to this. Don't be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord, my God, is with you. 
If you know where I've been, and some of you know where I've been, and where I've come from in the last three months, you're going to know why I want to jump off this platform and run all over this place. Because you are never, I may not get to this in this, in this sermon, you are never going to be given a dream or desire from God whereby there won't be distractions. Did anybody hear me? The Lord says, He will not fail you or forsake you. He will see to it that all the work related to the temple of the Lord is finished correctly. I stand before you here today on May 5, 2013 in a new temple in the house of God telling you that God who gave us a dream will see it come to pass and you can go along with us if you'll come along and trust God for your next level. Clap your hands somebody. Clap your hands. Oh, my Lord. Here's another word. Desire. Everybody say the word desire. Desire. Some of you sound like you desire to sleep. No, I'm talking about going to the next level. The, The desire goes something like this. Desire says to you, I can do better. I want to do better. Other people have the same goal that I have and they've done it. And if they can do it, I can do it. Can I get an amen here? Uh, the desire says something like this. There's got to be more to life than just getting up in the morning, hurriedly getting dressed, stuffing something in my face for breakfast, driving in traffic, going to work, working all day in a place I don't really like it, but I can't help it, I can't have another choice. Drive home in the traffic, eat a little supper, sit down for a little bit, go to sleep and start the cycle all over again. There's just got to be more to life. And, and, and I think about Joshua and Caleb. The Bible says to us about Joshua and Caleb who were two of the 12 spies sent into the promised land to go check it out. They they got to the border of the promised land after being uh, and their predecessors being slaves for 400 years. Moses sent 12 spies, one out of each tribe, go check it out. I don't want you to go check it out and tell us if we can go in. I just want you to go check it out so we can have a plan to possess the promise. 10 out of the 12 spies came back and said, the land is everything God said it is. It's green, it's fertile, the livestock is healthy, there are cities, and, and, and it, it, it is a land, it is a promised land. But they, the 10 of the 12 spies came back and said, there's no way we can take it. Because the people in the land are tall and large, and they're like giants in our eyes. Ten of the twelve spies came back and said, uh, uh, the walls are so fortified and, uh, and, and, and the, the cities are so strong until we might as well head back to Egypt. But Joshua and Caleb, oh, they had a greater desire. Can I get an amen? Joshua and, and Caleb went in, they came out, they saw the same thing. But they also remembered that the God who parted the Red Sea it's the God who is still with them. 
They also remembered that when they didn't have bread out there in the desert where there were no bakeries and Walmart or other stores to go to, that God gave them bread from heaven. When there was no water in the desert, Joshua and Caleb remembered how God gave them water. Joshua and Caleb remembered how God caused their clothes not to be worn out and their sandals not to be worn out. And that same God who brought them to the border of the next level is going to take them into the next level. No wonder, no wonder they said, let us go up at once. Numbers 13 and 30. Let us go up right now and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. I'm trying to tell you that there is, oh, help me, Jesus. You are sitting in a building this morning because God gave us a desire to carry out the Great Commission. Jesus died for more folks than we could hold in that former building that need to be saved. And more folks that we can hold in this building. We have a mission, a desire. Our desire is not to build a country club. And I don't want to be arrogant here. Our desire is not about our comfort. Our, our desire is to, is to do what the Lord says until He comes. And, and that is, you still got some unsaved, some of us family members. Maybe your husband's still unsaved. Your wife's still unsaved. Your grandchildren's still unsaved. Can I, can I get a... Oh. The people you carpool with, you eat lunch with, the people all around us. It's not just about our salvation. I like what E.V. Hill said about the business of the church and reaching the lost. E.V. Hill, who is now with the Lord, E.V. Hill said, There ain't no sinner shortage. Did you all hear that? There ain't no sinner shortage. It seems like sin and sinners are multiplying every day. But I want to tell you something else. There ain't no shortage of the convicting power of the Word of God. And whosoever will, let them come. <laughs> oh, my, my, my. I got to hurry here. Uh, you, you're sitting in the place this morning because God has given us a design, a dream to see the brokenhearted mended. To see the captive set free. Can I get another amen? God has given us... You see, we didn't build another church on Highway 34 in Sharpsburg, Georgia for people to have a buffet line of churches whereby they can sit, soak, and sour. We... Oh, help me, Jesus. We didn't build this building and borrow $6.6 million because we wanted... To give people a place where they can do their Sunday social activity or their politically correct worship experience. No, 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 no. We, we, we didn't build this church for that. Oh, help me, Jesus. I have a desire and a dream given to me by God to become a book of Acts church. The Bible said in the book of Acts, when they came together, there were signs and wonders and miracles and the power of God was present and lives were changed. That's the desire. Come on, give the Lord some praise in this house. So we had to make a decision. Everybody say decision. 
dreams and desires are wonderful, but you need more than dreams and desires to get to the next level. In Luke 15, and I'm hurrying, the Bible talks about a young man who's come to be known as the prodigal son. You know the story. Jesus tells the story of a young man who got tired of living under his father's roof and living by his father's uh, dictates, going when his father says go and coming back when his father says come back. He got tired of his father protecting him from the wrong crowd and wrong people. His father had two sons. The younger of the two sons is the one we know as the prodigal, meaning the rebellious. So he said to his father one day, whatever inheritance you're saving up for me, go ahead and give it to me now. I want it. I'll see you when I see you. That's the Alan Matura version. Uh, and this, this young man, the Bible said, went into a far country, long distance from his father's house, and wasted his entire inheritance in wild party, boozing it up, living it up. If it was 21st century, he was footing the bill, and as long as you're footing the bill, you're going to have friends. You didn't need, they're going to come out of the woodwork. But sure enough, when the money runs out, they're looking for some other friends to pay the bills. And the Bible said that while this younger son was in this land and spent up all this money in wild living, a famine occurred in the land and the only job he could get is slopping hogs. He had to fight with the hogs for food because there was a famine and food was so scarce. But he made a decision one day. And he said, I'm tired of living with the hogs and smelling like them. I will arise and go to my father's house. Did, did I hear somebody say amen? amen. And, and I, I, I know you know the story. He couldn't go any lower in his life because he's already with the hog pen, living with the hogs. And for some of us, oh, help me, Lord, to be kind. We've hung out with this and that and been here and yawned and tried everything. And we are in the hog pen. And the Lord says, it's time for you to rise and come to the Father's house. Oh, help me, Jesus. Let me tell you, you are never so low down or far gone or distant whereby you can't make the choice. If you will make half an effort, God will meet you halfway or even beyond. Somebody say praise the Lord. So you see, you don't have to sit around and die in your circumstances. You got to, yeah, I'm calling, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, got, I got more than this. You got, you got, you got to have some discipline along the way. Did, did you hear me? If you're going to get to the next level... You got to watch out who you hang with, what you listen to, where you go. Somebody here, help me here. The, 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 Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, you already read that, so let me give you the next one. He says it in the New Living Translation about getting to the next level, about getting more of the power of God in your life, about having more capacity to say no to the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Give me a witness here. Uh, about, about the discipline of saving your marriage. Some of you, you, you want a discipline of going to another level of, of, of seeing God that do some things in you that nobody else can. Maybe you want to start your own business. Maybe you, maybe you want, there's some things beating in your chest that God has given you that you don't want to die with. 
I discipline my body like an athlete, Paul says, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself may be disqualified. Here's another word. Determination. You are sitting in a place and Pastor Powell, the founding pastor of this church, is in the choir that it started 38 years ago. Stand up, Pastor Powell. I'll recognize your dedication there, but I know you don't want me to have you stand up, but I'm in charge right now. Somebody give the Lord glory. Somebody give the Lord glory. Now listen to me. Let me me tell you this. This business. Somebody said, why did it take 38 years? Because I'm a slow learner. No, because that's God's time for us. Let him do what he wants to do with other churches. But he knows how much and when for us. But the determination is, Paul says, I'm headed to the next level. I've not apprehended it yet. Philippians 3 and 3. I've not gotten to the next level like I want to be. Brethren, I do not count myself to have arrived yet. But there's a hunger in my heart to get where God wants me to be. And because of that, I have a determination. This one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things that are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Some of you are guests this morning. I don't want to beat this. I don't want to beat this horse till you get tired of hearing me talk. On February the 3rd this year, I woke up for three hours nonstop with my body shaking and vibrating, literally. Cold one minute, hot the next minute. For three hours. And I thought I had food poisoning or something and couldn't come to church. Called Pastor JC, had my wife call him at six o'clock in the morning and said, I'm not gonna make it today. Three days later, I found out it began the symptoms of panic attacks. Fear, anxiety, and panic attacks. You're looking at me, and some of you have never seen me before, and you probably ain't going to see me again because you've got all you can take, but <laughs> you're looking at a guy that that wasn't going to happen to. No, I'm God's man of faith and power. You see, if the devil could get me to lose my dream and vision and, and stare off another place, perhaps you wouldn't be sitting here today, and I wouldn't be here today. I began a journey in my life, and some of you have been there, of literal tormenting thoughts of fear and panic and anxiety. And the devil showed me that I would not be on this pulpit and on this stage on opening day. Please listen to me. You, you, I'm, I have read other people's story. I know other people's story, but I've been through my own hell. Please hear me. (laughs) You encouraged me as a church like I've never been encouraged in my life. 
You sent cards, you sent texts, you sent email, you sent food. Thank God you didn't send your little kids. Uh, anyhow, and I'm going to teach them. I was trying to get out of that pit. The devil showed me that I would be in a hospital or an institution. At 56 years old, he told me it was over and finished. And right now he's telling me, if you keep testifying, I'm going to bring it back. And I'm going to tell him he's a liar and he better go right back to where he belongs. Stand up to your feet and give the Lord the praise. We're closing. I, I need, come on, come on. Tell the devil he's a liar and tell God. Come on, give the Lord some praise. Give the Lord some praise. Give the Lord some praise. You listen to me now. I'm not telling you somebody else's story. During those two months, I did not want to see this building because it brought fear and panic to me. Because of the devil said, look what's happened. Look what debt you got him into. Look what all you're responsible for. During those two months, and, and, and when the intensity was there, I read, I prayed. I, I, I would go to bed at 10 and get up at 2.30 in the morning and couldn't go back to sleep. And some of you thought I was on a sabbatical. No, that wasn't a sabbatical. A sabbatical is when you go off and you rest and you refresh and you write a book or you write a new song. I was wrestling for my life. I was wrestling for my ministry. The devil said, see, you've given the Lord 28 years, but I got you now. <laughs> but one day the Holy Ghost said, I'm not finished with you yet. Listen, listen. One day the Holy Ghost said, to my spirit I'm taking you through this wilderness and through this valley because I got a higher mountain I got a bigger view for you I got a better price but I got to take you through this valley so you can appreciate the next mountain top I'm not totally well and you're going to think some of you knew me before that time and you already knew I was crazy before I got crazy. I don't know what is keeping you from your mountain and your next level, but the devil's a liar. Listen, listen to me. Because the last word I want you to put up on the screen is what's going to bring you to, the, to your place of power. And it's the word delight. I learned to get out of my fear and anxiety and panic by quoting scriptures whether I wanted to or not. By listening to gospel songs whether I wanted to or not. I learned to put one foot in front of the other if that's all I could, by the power of God. And I, I just, I just begin to delight. The Bible says, put the scripture up, put, put the next word on. Can you do it back there? I'll do it up here, man. I got the technology. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Please hear me. Please hear me. If you are going to the next, if you're going to get out of the hell you're living in now, 
And again, if that's too coarse for you, I beg your pardon. But some people are living there. You and I do things we don't want to do that our body resists, but we discipline ourselves to do it in order to get there. And we are far behind. Let me put it this way. We are way ahead on our grumbling and complaining and finding fault. And way behind on our praising and thanking and glorifying God. I wish somebody praise the Lord anyhow. I wish you'd praise Him anyhow. Delight yourself in the Lord. So, I want when they go out of here in a minute for you to sing something delightful. And I want the prayer team to come at prayer team to stand all across this altar. And I want you, if you need to go to the next level in your marriage, in your health, in your finances, in your mind, I want you to step out of your comfort zone when they sing and play and come and stand in the front of this altar and thank God for a lot of altar space. You don't come for Alan Matura. But if you desire, if there's another level and you're tired of circling around the same mountain and living with the pigs like the Panagon, there's a higher and better place for you. God won't do it for the prodigal and not do it for you. He won't do it for Joshua and Caleb and not do it for you. Can I get an amen? Oh, hallelujah. Bow your heads, bow your heads, bow your heads. Pastor, you're talking to me. I need to go to the next level. I understand that that means that I need to give my life to Jesus Christ. I cannot do this on my own, Pastor, anymore. I need to come to Christ or rededicate my life to Him. And when you pray... This closing prayer, I wish you'd ask God to change me, to help me. If that's you, raise up your hands. I'm not calling you to the front. I'm just asking you to raise your hand. Numbers of hands. Put them down. Everybody pray. Pray for those that you know needs to go to the next level in your life or in your family. Father, I ask you to do the miraculous and the supernatural. I ask you, God, today that some nugget, some word from your word will find a lodging place in our hearts. And it will change us. For every hand that went up, God, I pray that you will give them deliverance. Wash away sins. Give them the power of the Lord in them. The power of the Holy Spirit. That they may pray and read the word. Serve the Lord and discipline themselves. Until they get to that next level where they'll know it's worth the effort because with God all things are possible amen can you praise him one more time I know I'm running behind but it's the first Sunday I know I know but I want to give him some praise now if you need something the altar's going to open be open sing sing if you will not going back sing I'm, I'm going to let you go in a moment but lift your hand lift your hands with me come on Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit smmcog.com.